If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. Hi, everybody. I'm Kara Swisher. Nice to see you here. This is a fantastic crowd on this lovely night in New York.、Um, this is our second enterprise event, which is being run by the fantastic Eric Hesseldahl.、Um, we really think enterprise is a really interesting area, and frankly, we think it's sexy. We are going to make enterprise sexy. Look, if Carly Freen is running for president, good God, we can make enterprise sexy. You know, Larry Ellison is just kicking himself now. Jesus. I could have been president. Wouldn't that be a great administration? Just think about that. Kimonos for all. Anyway,、um, I could go on about jokes about enterprise.、Um, so I, I want to thank first the sponsors, and then I want to say a few words about Eric.、Uh, we have a great lineup tonight of all kinds of interesting people to talk about what's going on in enterprise. I'm not kidding, actually. Enterprise is one of the most interesting places in Silicon Valley. A lot of the consumer stuff gets a lot of the attention. Every time Apple burps, it gets like, tons of coverage. But actually, enterprise is where a lot of the innovation is happening. And we think it's really important, which is why we have a dedicated reporter talking about, I think,、um, the best one in the space,、um, writing about issues around the enterprise.、Um, and we're going to continue to do so and, and do more events in that area because we think it's、uh, a terrific area how business is changing, how businesses are being changed and disrupted. So we think it's super important and,、uh, and will continue to be going forward. First, I want to thank our sponsors.、Um, obviously, this beautiful space with the、uh, Steelcase, they're our premier partner. They've been our partner for A dozen years doing amazing things with our, all our code events and our all things digital events before that.、But、we also have supporting partners HP, New Relic, Oracle, speaking of Larry Ellison, thank you, Larry,、uh, Starcom Media Vest Group, Tableau, and Workbench. We thank them very much for、uh, sponsoring this and we hope to do more events again in the future on that.、Um, Very briefly, Eric Hesseldahl, who I said is, one of,、uh, is a tremendous enterprise reporter. We try to cover enterprise、um, in a different way and try to make it interesting and show、uh, readers why it's important.、Um, he has put together a great program here. He's going to get on, and he's done a great job for us. How many years have you been with Freak, or Kara Swisher Inc., really? <laughs> What? Five years. Five years. Wow. We're coming up for that seven year itch, right? Yeah. Okay.、Um, anyway, he's, a great, he's put together a great program. We're also going to have Jason Del Rey on stage, who's doing an interview, and I'm going to do one with a very funny、uh, CIO of Goldman Sachs, who is really funny, shockingly.、Um, <laughs> so, oh, sexy, I forgot, sexy. All right, anyway, Eric, without no further ado, Eric Hesseldahl.
thanks a lot, Kara, for that kind of introduction. I'm super excited to actually do this event here in New York, mainly because I live here, and so getting down here was a subway ride. Uh, but also because I know all the enterprise companies, all their, all their customers are here, so they come here all the time. I was once asked how I can cover tech from New York, and I said because all the companies come to New York and they do all their business here, so it's really great. So one of those companies I'm actually really happy to, uh, to introduce is EMC. And uh, I don't know how much you've been reading about it. I've been writing about it quite a bit. There's a lot happening there. And uh, they've got a little problem with some activist investors. We'll talk about that. Uh, they've got another problem with uh, things happening in the storage market. So we'll talk about that. So I'll go ahead and uh, ask David Golden, the CEO of uh, uh, EMC's Inf Information Infrastructure Unit which is actually a mouthful, but it's because it's a really big, it's about a $16 billion business. So we'll talk about that, so come on up. Thank you. Thanks for coming. So let's start with that business unit that you are, you're formerly COO of the, of the combined EMC, and now you're CEO of information infrastructure. So right. the biggest single business inside the company. The biggest single business. I added it up yesterday. It was about 16 billion in 2014. So 16, why don't you, 17 in that range. Oh, yeah, okay. So let's, let's, uh, let's so level who's, set. So who's counting among friends, right? So <laughs> who's counting among friends? So let's level set. What's, what all is, is in there? Uh, what, what businesses are in there? Sure. So um, first of all, I'm sure that we'll talk about it. We've set ourselves up a little bit uniquely inside of EMC, the parent company. We call ourselves a federation. And we call the Federation, we think it's maybe a model for a different era or a new model for a new era, maybe said differently. Um, and it's different from a, from, a, from a holding company. A holding company would be something more like a conglomerate. Uh, to me, a con conglomerate is a set of businesses that are maybe held together through um, a capital structure or brand that may be playing in different marketplaces. Um, federation is somewhat different. What we set ourselves up is a series of businesses that are actually all focused in the same market um, with a common vision of what the outcome is, with different parts of the Federation playing a different role in helping our customers achieve the outcome. So it's a much more um, aligned model than a Federation, than a conglomerate model. I'm sure we'll come back and talk about that. Um, so my piece of the business, so let me kind of talk about what the three pieces are, and we'll talk about my piece. So basically there are three major parts to the EMC Federation. Uh, the first is the smallest and newest piece of the company called Pivotal, which is helping customers build next generation, um, what we call, what IDC would call third platform apps, the kind of mobile client uh, facing digital apps. The customer's trying to reinvent themselves as a, as a digital business. You go in and, and the, the Pivotal folks go in and help them learn how to build these, these new kinds of apps. They have three kind of sub, sub, submissions. So the first is we have a, a software platform called Pivotal Cloud Foundry, which is an open software platform that people can license and use as a platform, as a service layer uh, for helping their application, uh, their application folks build these new applications. Then there's a, a side piece of that called the Big Data Platform, which is basically the big data runtime for the applications that, that get built based upon, again, an, an open source Hadoop model. And then we have a third part called Pivotal Labs, which is actually a next generation um, application development shop that actually helps customers write applications. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we actually use our own tools in building those applications. We do knowledge transfer to our customers, uh, not only in terms of the way the applications get written, but the way that we do team programming and some of the methodology behind I've, it. I've, I've been to their office and it's kind of funny when you see two guys, two people walking together, they work together, they stare at the same screens together. It's kind of interesting. They do and they're paired. 
Yep. Um, and they, they even play ping pong together when they They actually breaks. develop in literally small teams. You know, and one takes over, the other one starts to critique and vice versa. Um, and there's a whole methodology around that. And actually, what's interesting is the whole process is so unique that some of our customers have actually asked us to borrow the footprint of the real estate. Because when you say you go into a Pivotal Labs building, it feels different from a traditional IT shop. And a lot that's of our true. customers want to generate that experience for their dev teams. So that's the first part of the federation. Uh, second piece, which is perhaps much better known, is VMware, mm -hmm. uh, West Coast-based software company. I'm sure a lot of people in the audience know it exceptionally well. Uh, started out as the king of virtualizing servers, but has moved into a much broader agenda in terms of uh, a software-defined data center, a, uh, a hybrid cloud agenda, and also a desktop automation through AirWatch and other acquisitions. Then there's my piece of the business, which is EMC Information Infrastructure, uh, which started out as a storage business, um, expanded into a multi a faceted storage business in terms of a full range of applications, has moved into converged infrastructure, initially through a joint venture with a Cisco called VCE that's now part of our business. So we're a storage and converged infrastructure company with a heavy software emphasis. And then the other part of the federation that's also part of my business is the RSA security business. The biggest piece, of course, being the storage and the infrastructure part. So it's basically, I, I think of it, it, there's a lot packed in there. Um, but it's... You know, it's been called a company of companies, but the but the federation structure, it's first off, it's unusual. There's some people who say they like it. Egon, Egon Durbin said he, he was actually rather fond of it recently uh, when he was speaking in Aspen. Um, but, uh, but it's also taken, you've also taken some heat for it because there are people, and some of them may even be in this room, who would like to see you separate or break up the federation. So why does that, why does that structure make sense for you from a business perspective? So I think because the Federation is different, um, and it's something that we've, that we've actually, not only have we um, organized ourselves that way from an operating point of view, we've also exposed ourselves to the capital markets that way as well. So in 2007, uh, we decided to take part of VMware public. Um, so basically, about 20%. about 20%, we own 80 points of ownership, but a much higher percentage of the voting stock of mm -hmm. VMware. Yeah, it's like 95% voting. High 90s, yeah, yeah, exactly. Again, again, among friends, who's counting? Um, so that model actually does a few things for us. So it actually exposes value, because of course VMware is now an exceptionally val valuable company. And at the time that we took it public in 07, it was less well known, but we could show the growth and the value. It uh, created an economic vehicle tied to the success of the member of the Federation we could use for um, retention and uh, recruiting and building management teams and technical teams. So we, the stock options and the restricted stock in VMware is tied to the performance of VMware and people feel a much closer sense of identity. And third, because this federation model is somewhat different, we opened it up. We said that we will, of course, within the federation work together if a customer wants all three parts to work together, but we don't force them. We offer them choice. And that choice element is actually a stark contrast with what some of our enterprise competitors will talk about. So we'll say, look, you can write an application using Pivotal, and you can run it on the uh, VMware cloud, but you can run it on an Amazon cloud or a Google cloud. You can use virtualization from VMware, and you can use it with EMC storage or with competitor storage. We keep those interfaces very open, so we give customers choice. And you talk to our CIOs, and it's a very powerful part of the Federation message, particularly as we kind of move into this new era of uh, much more open computing models and open platforms and things. So that's the premise of the, the Federation. It's worked very well for us. I think the Federation, the model, 
has allowed us to do things that we couldn't have done in a more traditional environment. So I guarantee you, sitting here, that if we'd bought VMware in 2004, I was personally involved in, in, that, in that acquisition, if we'd integrated that day one into EMC and said, that's it, you're now part of, of, of EMC and the EMC sales force is taking that to market and you're now kind of part of the storage business, it, no way that would be a $6 billion business last year. Mm -hmm. And no way could we have attracted the the huge leadership and engineering talent we've been able to attract through the fact that it's a public company. So the Federation's been a large part of us getting to where we've got to. I think we have a similar play going on in Pivotal. Yeah, I was gonna um, ask about that. Joe so, has talked about, uh, CEO Joe Tucci has talked about wanting to basically run the same play with VMware. Right, so when we Pivotal. set Pivotal up uh, a couple of years ago, um, we set Pivotal up uh, with a company that the employees have stock options in Pivotal. Um, and the anticipation is at some point in time, at the right time, when we feel it's ready, et cetera, uh, we could do a similar play with Pivotal to the play that we've done with VMware. So it's let us grow businesses, I think, very rapidly. It's let us innovate around a capital structure, innovate around a retention model for the employees, um, and give customers choice they couldn't do otherwise. So then you kind of say, well, why do people perhaps pick at that, at that model? Uh, because with the Federation compared to a more integrated company, there's clearly some level of complexity. There's no doubt. We make it more complex for our shareholders to understand how they interface with the company. It's much easier to, to buy one stock than it is to say, well, I've got a choice of two or maybe in, 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 in the future three. And you um, don't make it any easier for people like me to write about, let me tell you. Well, we maybe create opportunities for people like you to go write about the Federation. Um, but everything comes with a price. So we think that there's certainly some complexity in the model, uh, but we think that what we gain from having the model outweighs it by orders of, of magnitude. And again, Eric, to a point that you made, we think it maybe it's a new model for a new time. People saying, well, why don't you go back to a more conventional model? We say, well, hang on a second. Let's look at other companies. Um, look at what Google did recently and the model that they moved to. It looks much more like a federation than it does like With a Alphabet. more traditional integrated yeah. company. Yeah. So I think that we are maybe seeing other people move towards it. I think the fact that it's, that it's new, it's relatively unique, um, and the fact it creates some, some complexity gives people a chance to uh, sometimes hack away at the concept a little bit. And yet, you've still got this, uh, sp speaking directly about the, the situation with the Federation, you've got this shareholder hedge fund, and let's just not dance around it. Um, they want you to break VMware off, and they, uh, Elliott Management, they want you to break VMware off, and, and that that would make more value for shareholders. That is an argument that, you know, has a little bit of water, it holds a little bit of water objectively when you look at, say, core EMC stock performance in the last, you know, year and a half or so. Um, so they're not going to be satisfied unless something happens. So are you prepared to do something that will satisfy them? Well, I think we've got, I think in all these um, scenarios, you've got to look at a long-term strategy. Mm -hmm. Certainly um, when Elliot uh, first approached us, that, thesis was that there was uh, potential value to be created by breaking them up. Um, obviously that was a year plus ago. Mm -hmm. um, we continue to have an active dialogue with, with them as we do with all shareholders. And um, you know, we work with them to explain the value of what it is that, that, that we're doing. Um, we believe, we really believe strongly that breaking up is the wrong thing to do. And let me give you a couple of real reasons for it. So um, first of all, if you, take the view that the IT industry is going through massive change, which I think we all which agree, and you know, certainly you, you're one of the most vocal why we're here. that is why we're here, Ch you know, that change is enormous. You also take the view that generally our clients, 
corporate clients, big SPs, et cetera, telcos, they're looking for fewer, more strategic technology partners, not you know, more smaller partners. So in that sense, you'd be really swimming against the, the tide if you had two medium-sized companies as opposed to one, one, one larger company with less capabilities. And then the other thing is we have, um, we have proven to ourselves and I think to many of our shareholders, there are real synergies um, from having the companies together. Um, we believe that there's a billion dollars of revenue synergies we've achieved so far um, by having the companies together. And we calculate that very simply. We've done an analysis of our top customers and we've looked at the top customers where together we're both strong versus customers where only one of us is strong and the other one is weak. And where we're strong together, our share of wallet is higher than when one is strong and one isn't quite so, so strong. And if you calculate that across our customer base, that incremental share of wallet, we believe, by being strong together, this is particularly between EMC and VMware, in our big customers is worth about a billion dollars. And we believe that if we replicate that across the next set of big customers and get strong and strong across another large set of big customers, that could be a further billion dollars. So we believe that there are real revenue synergies that are achieved by us being together. We've now quantified them, and we've laid out potential for a second billion dollars of revenue synergies. And again, just from a strategy point of view, Again, if you believe the industry is, is actually con consolidating and people are, are choosing fewer vendors with more capabilities, it would seem a little irrational to break it up. And I think we've been pretty clear about that. We said we do not believe that breaking the federation up is the right way to uh, enhance the value of the federation. We think having a better federation is the way to enhance the value of the federation. Better federation. Better how? Um, I'm obviously not going to sit here and comment upon specific speculation. Yeah. I know that everybody would love me to break I, I, ground I really on that love today, you to do that tonight. But Please. I know you'd love me to do that today. But I think like other people in, 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 in the audience, our policy is one not to comment on rumors of speculation. Right. But I can tell you about some of the background and some of the thought process because there's been, I think, a very high level of dialogue in the industry about what might happen. Because we have said that we are not going to break up. So then the question is, so, well, what next? Mm -hmm. um, and the, we have the, a, Elliot's not going away. They're badass. I'm sorry, but they I are. didn't call them badass. I, <laughs> I mean, I mean that in a, they're they're tough. They're tough customers. They this is this is a, this is a hedge fund that seized another country's naval ship in order to collect the debt. So, well, or so tried, have, tried to so. seize it. That's a true story. Look it up. So, well, fortunately, we don't have ships, so I think okay. we're, we're, we're safe. You don't have a navy. Said, at least last time I looked, we have no ships <laughs> on the balance sheet. So that so that tactic isn't going going to work with us. So, um, so what else? Well, you know, this is what board of, boards of directors are there to to work through. Uh, I call it a high-class problem or high-class opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, we are executing well. Um, as a federation, you look at our growth rates this year, the federation will grow between 3 and 4%. When a lot of our traditional born-in-the-client-server competitors will, will decline. We all know the household names. My part of the business, the storage business, where most of the traditional competitors will decline quite substantially, we will actually grow slightly this year because we've been able to balance our investments and have a lot of assets in the new areas of the storage business as well as the more traditional areas. So we're doing well against the competitive benchmarks. Our customers tell us time and time again, they want us to do more together. They want us to be close aligned. They don't want us to give up choice. So they don't want to take that away, but they want us to align better. So there's all sorts of things that the board is uh, looking at. I think a lot of people gravitate towards, well, this has to be a financial solution. Not necessarily the case. There are other things that, uh, that we can do. So, for example, recently, um, rather than just have all of our sales teams sitting in the individual members of the company, 
we created a go-to-market structure where we have a set of uh, client directors um, at the federation level who are working with our biggest of clients, making sure that we give them the full portfolio of the capability. That so is they an know solution. what's available from the EMC side, what's available from the VMware side, and the pivotal side, and the pivotal side, and so that there's you know so everything is kind of in a in a in an approachable way, and they have multiple points of contact, but they're all working off the same the same page pretty much. Right, they're um, they're orchestrated. So typically for those. Clients, we determine, we determine we should go after with the federation team. There'll be a three-person team. There'll be a client director who think of that as, as the general manager of that client relationship. There'll be a solution architect. There'll be a program manager. That three-person team will be at the federation. The sales teams will still exist in the operating companies, but you've now got a point of, of uh, coordination and, if you like, supervision and leadership for those larger clients. So that's an operational thing which we're doing to have enhanced value. Again, to go after that second billion dollars of synergies that we think are out there from, from, from revenue. Um, we're also looking, and I started off commenting about you know, what is a federation versus what is a conglomerate, right? The difference being that the federation are companies that are operating basically in the same market with the same customers, but with different parts of the total solution. So inevitably, um, there's going to be a little bit of overlap. Right. Um, and I think that's something that, again, has been probably well written about and overplayed. Well, yeah. Well, it's not, a, it's not a difficult point to argue, though, because VMware, as it has gotten bigger, it's gotten into things like software-defined storage, gotten into things like software-defined networking. They acquired NYSERA, which is not, you're not into networking, but you are in storage. And so, you know, some kind of a software-defined storage play could conceivably threaten, you know, your core business. And oh, by the way, you've got new businesses, you know, the flash-based businesses that are up and coming too. So, you know, there's a lot happening. So it, it's, it feels funny to have two bits of the same company kind of competing against each other, right? Well, let's talk about that because again, I think there's, um, um, if it's unmanaged, then that would not be a good situation. But um, looking at the strategy of the company and how you coordinate those pieces and how that strategy gets governed is something else could, that could be done to enhance value. So let's just talk about some of the myths and realities around the storage overlap. So absolutely, um, VMware has, and at the federation level, has been encouraged to build a product called vSAM, which is basically designed to um, uh, basically create storage networks from internal storage. And on the EMC side, we've got a very broad storage portfolio, uh, products like uh, ScaleIO through Elastic Cloud Storage, et cetera. People say, hey, how, how can, can you do that? Well, at 50,000 feet, we've both got software-defined storage products but they're aimed at different target markets. Mm. So the primary target market for vSAN is um, in the departmental area, the remote branch office, and the small medium business marketplace, which is not the traditional strength of EMC. The traditional strength of EMC is in the data center. And the EMC software-defined storage products, Scale.io, are aimed at massive scale for enterprises and service providers for data, app, for data center type applications. So at 50,000 feet, you say, well, this is chaos. You've both got software-defined uh, storage. But if you go beneath the surface, it's not. So the governance of how those get better positioned and better aligned is something else we can do to actually make a situation where more often one plus one equals three, and one plus one don't necessarily compete with each other. So there are many things that we are looking at and considering as ways to enhance value to get to a better federation. But the model is what we think, per my earlier comment, is really unique and, again, for a new time and a little bit more forward-leaning than many other companies have looked at. Okay. Let's talk about the competitive landscape a little bit. I mean, we, we teased that a little bit before, but 
Um, every time I talk to, uh, say, Pure Storage, who's going to go public early next month, probably even next week, um, when I talk to SolidFire, when I talk to, I used to talk to Violin, I don't talk to them so much anymore, they always cited EMC. And when they go in on deals, they are either bumping up against you, sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. I mean, I don't know how often they see you, but you know, they're saying that the world is going to go completely to flash memory. You're still, you've got a lot of flash memory, but you also got a lot of spinning disk in your products. And so that's a fundamental change that's going on. Um, so what kind of a competitive threat do you see there? How are you dealing with it? Obviously, you've made some acquisitions. Yeah, I mean, um, so the good news is that the storage industry continues to be growing and it continues to, to um, attract a lot of um, investments and innovation, right? Ergo, it's a healthy place to be, right? right. So number one, the fact there's competition, the fact that there's uh, dollars, the fact that uh, there's innovation and investment just shows that it's a healthy opportunity. And as market share leader, um, anybody who starts out in life is probably gonna target the market share leader. It's a natural way, way of life. If you look at the IDC uh, data, um, you know, our market share globally of all external storage is about 30%, and it's more than double that of the nearest competitor. Um, if you go a little bit closer and go into the back to the core markets I talked I talked about, the data center, uh, the enterprise or enterprise data center, SP data center, that market share is probably near 50%. So again, uh, people starting out are going to target the market share leader, but we as market share leader have never stood, stood, stood still, and we've never been afraid to invest in and actually foster the next round of technology, even if it means cannibalizing some of our own businesses, because that's what leaders do. So we think that flash uh, storage is great. We uh, actually have three ways that we go to market in flash storage. And again, without beating my chest too much, by the revenue numbers, we are the leader in all of them. Uh, the one that creates lots of attraction is the place that you mentioned, the all flash storage array, mm -hmm. where there's um, obviously some startups and they are and they're growing. Uh, but we and have, they and they love to make fun of you when they get the chance. But that's, that's their job. That's, that's <laughs> what they can choose to try and do. But uh, you know, we are we have a great all flash storage array called Extreme IO, uh, which um, is about three times the size of its nearest competitor. In fact, even uh, a bigger lead than we realized before uh, public processes started around one of our competitors. So it was three times the size last year, and it will get to a billion dollars of bookings this year. And that will be the fastest growing product in the storage industry, EMC or anybody else's, from zero to a billion dollars of bookings um, run rate, actually a billion dollars of total bookings, in basically nine quarters. Uh, and we already announced that we've actually got to a billion dollars of cumulative bookings from that product already. So um, yes, there are others, and we, we always invite competition. That's a healthy thing for our customers, and it keeps us on our toes. But we're the market share leader with Extreme IO. What people often forget is that Flash also pay, plays a fairly important role in what people might call more traditional storage that used to be disk-based, but now almost all of our traditional storage systems are going out as a hybrid storage system. So there's a, a level bit of flash, a little flash, bit of disk. A little bit of disk or a lot of disk, and there's intelligent tiering software based upon the use of the application to move the hot data sets into the Flash tier, which is still more expensive than storage, it will be for some period of time, and use the kind of cheaper, deeper spinning media for the lower cost um, workloads. So it will be a question of and. There's no doubt that Flash has made a great inroad into what was traditionally the, the performance tier of storage, but the capacity optimized tier of storage has a very, very long lifetime. 
And in all these things, you, to, you really need to offer the customer choice and to give them the ability to have both. Um, so certainly flash will be a very important factor. Um, it will not replace um, disk anytime soon. In the same way as even though we've been going that. after it 30 years later, we haven't fully replaced tape yet either, even though we're having a good crack at that through okay. backup and recovery. So these technologies uh, certainly have a longer life than people who only have one of them might want to believe. Okay, good enough. Back to the corporate stuff for a minute. Um, a lot of this drama with you know the shareholder and all this has taken place against the backdrop of uh, you know uh, CEO Joe Tucci not having named a successor. Every time we talk about this subject, your name comes up. So I do have to ask: Do you you are usually named as a uh, as a contender? Do you want to be CEO of the federation? Well, let me give you the short answer to that and then the longer answer to that. Well, and, I will answer the, and I'll answer the direct question as well. So uh, the short answer is that um, you know, the timing and the selection of the CEO, that's up to the board of directors, right. right? That's one of the principal functions that any board has to take into account, you know, one of their core, core missions. And we should come back and talk about uh, a, a board as well because it's, very, it's very, active, it's a very active. It's a very dynamic, it's, it's an independent board, it's a relatively new board, so we should talk about that in terms of the amount of change that uh, we've had. The longer answer is that, um, as I've said, we've done many of the right moves in this federation. I think we're well positioned to be one of the clear leaders. This industry is changing fast and there's gonna be winners and losers as we come out through this change. And I think we're really well positioned to be one of the leaders in that category. As it relates to, to me, um, I love my job. Um, it's a great job, best one I've actually had. Um, and I want to help the Federation in any way I can make sure it stays in the winner's column going forward. But beyond that, you're going to have to get back to the board and ask them you know, how they're going to manage the process. Yeah, they don't return my calls. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Okay, you do. You, uh, to your credit, you absolutely do. Um, well, let's talk about the board. You have a new director. Um, uh, Laura, is her? Uh, you named, on, named her on Friday. So. Yes. Right, a new director we named on Friday. Um, we have in the last five years, since 2010, added six new directors. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we have a 13 person board. Uh, there are 11 of 13 are independent. Um, it's a very active board, it's a very dynamic board. We changed uh, new lead director this year. Uh, we have new committee chairs as of this year, so it's a board that's very engaged. Uh, they've been talking a lot. Uh, they've, I been, would imagine. they've been working hard. I mean, as, as I've talked about, as we look to how we maximize the value of the Federation, there are a number of open questions. They've worked hard this year. Um, I think that if anybody in the audience is an EMC shareholder, and hopefully some of you are, you would be, you would be pleasantly uh, pleased and proud of how hard this board is working on your behalf. Uh, because as I said, uh, these are nuanced decisions. Um, the broad brush approaches aren't necessarily the, the, the right ones. Uh, I talked about uh, how we got to where we are with the power of the Federation. Uh, so these are not simple things, but we're working through it. And again, with a long-term view and a way to make ourselves, uh, set ourselves up for maximum success over a sustained period of time. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm told we have about five minutes. So I wonder if we have any questions uh, for David from the audience. Somebody's got, oh, we do have one over there. Hard to see with the lights. Could you please introduce yourself, though? How are you doing, David? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. The question really is, what do you take on the Micron, Intel, Optane, or 3XD point solution that just came out? 
because what is EMC going to do with a NAND, a massive NAND-based storage system coming out? Okay, so as I mentioned, um, storage and flash storage is going to appear at multiple, diff multiple different levels. Um, as these new technologies come, they come in kind of waves. The benefit that EMC has is, bear in mind, we are um, an integrator and a software developer that takes advantage of these different technologies. So if you look over time, we've been able to take advantage of changes in drive technology, in processor technology, and in flash technology. And we source our components from the ecosystem. So as the ecosystem develops new, new technologies, we can basically source those, un those same underlying building blocks. Um, in the future, for these large data applications, much more the value is in the software tier. And so we will continue to uh, take our software-defined storage products and offer them on top of hardware. In many cases, the hardware is fairly commodity hardware. It could be very dense. It could be packaged and supported by us. But as this industry moves forward, um, we give customers the ability to buy the software either with or without the hardware. So we'll take advantage of all those trends. If you look at something like our Elastic Cloud storage system, which is our commercial object store, that is something that lets people set up on a global basis with a single name space, uh, multiple different sites, geo-replicated with Erasure coding, an incredibly efficient object system. Our largest customer of that technology, one technology, one customer has one exabyte of storage under management on that system. That's where the value is. Now, we can, of course, package that up and make it into an appliance, but we are moving more and more of our value, particularly as we move into these third platform, into the software layer. So see us focus upon the, the software and see us take advantage of the type of technology which we talked about to also wrap it up into an appliance as well. But going forward, increasingly, our software will be separable from our hardware, which if you go traditionally and look at our more traditional storage arrays, those are integrated only. So we have multiple different plays going forward that will take advantage of that type of, of technology. Okay, I think we have time for one more question. Anybody? Okay. I think that's I think we're gonna go ahead and wrap that up. So thanks a lot. All right, thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Very good. Thank you.